This episode of the Trek Geeks Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash trekgeeks, and you'll find over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or any MP3 player. Hi, everybody. This is Richard Hatch, Karn the Undying, and XNR, and you are listening to the Trek Geeks podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Tuning in will bring victory to the Klingon Empire. So say we all. little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. This is the Trek Geeks Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and this is episode 32. I know we sound amazed every time that we increase that number, and I think in some level we really are, but we're just happy to be here, and we're thankful for all of you because you helped make this happen. Right now, I'd like to introduce my co-host. He is a man occasionally confused for Charles Nelson Riley. Even though he looks more like Brett Summers, he's the slightly humorous and mostly matchable Dan Davidson. Dan, what? blank. What? <laughs> you knew I was going to do that, didn't you? I did. Thanks for the introduction. That was a good one. Charles Nelson Riley. <laughs> um, it's good to be here. Episode 32, like you said. Man, wow. Just wow. You need to awesome. Work, you need to work on your Charles, Charles Nelson Riley laugh. <laughs> that was like a Mr. Magoo. I don't know. <laughs> Do you remember when he was on the TV show for the Ghost and Mrs. Muir? No, not at all. I can't say that I ever watched that. So there was Edward Mulhare, who wound up being uh, Devin Miles on Knight Rider as Captain Greg. And Hope Lang played Mrs. Muir, and he played um, Captain Greg's uh, like great-great-nephew... Claymore, I think. I'd have to look that up. But uh, it was not great television, sir. <laughs> not great television. That's that's a pretty good uh, way to end that whole paragraph. I know, right? <laughs> well, uh, so Dan, as you recall, last week in episode 31, we considered uh, pilots. And we thought a great way to bring that discussion to a close would be to consider the opposite side of that coin. And this week we're going to talk about... Um, Finales. I had to think about the word there for a minute. This is pretty final. <laughs> hey, before we get started, I do want to say one thing. Yeah. Welcome back. Thank Hope you. Hope you had a great vacation. Uh, we talked a little bit going out there to the West Coast. Good to have you back, man. Can I tell you that Southern California was trying to kill us, even though John Champion <laughs> tried to assure me that was not the case? It was Did- hot. Did you get within 50 feet of him? Because you're not supposed to. No, no. It was all over <laughs> over Messenger, I assure you. Okay. Um, so we we went to, to California, my wife and I, and on the Sunday of the weekend, we were there last weekend, we figured we'd go to Disneyland because we were staying in the area. And the heat index in the sun was 113. So we waited in line for the Haunted Mansion. We rode to the Haunted Mansion and then said, uh, yeah, we can't do this anymore. How long was the wait for the Haunted Mansion? About 45 minutes. Oh, wow. Really? Up yeah, there? Yeah. It's never that long in Disney or in, in Orlando. I um, The first time I wrote it, it was, but I wanted to go through the main line because the main line is more interesting in Orlando than it is in Anaheim. Yep. yep. There's a, It's more interactive. Yep. Yeah, although, that's new in, in Orlando. Although the, the Haunted Mansion ride itself in Disneyland has been... Altered, so now it is more like um, the Nightmare Before Christmas. Ah, I was going to say I've never actually been on on uh, 
the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland, but I do know that it's different than the one in Orlando. Yeah, and although I, I enjoyed the experience, I don't know that I liked it as much as I like the Orlando ride because I just I love the Orlando version of it. Yep. Speaking of Haunted Mansion, not to get too much off on tangents before we start the finale show, is the Hatbox Ghost is coming back. For those that are Disney fans, that's kind of a big thing. That's, oh, that's a cool. ghost that was in the original ride, and it, it, it was taken out very soon after it started because it was simply too scary at the time. Um, they've done some new animatronics on it, and uh, rumor is it's going to be back in the ride at some point very soon. Well, that'd be cool. Maybe we'll take that up on our Disney podcast someday. Um <laughs> You know, like uh, Mission Log has a series of podcasts that they intend to go into, you know, jokingly. Our next one will be the Disney podcast. How's that sound? I I like it. So, Dan, we're going to start off this episode like we did last week with some recent news. And uh, last week I did the rundown. So why don't you carry us through this week? Sure. I'd be happy to do that. And I I appreciate the the support that I won't screw it up. Uh, I didn't say that. I will screw it up. <laughs> um, yeah, recent uh, talk about some some current events going on in Star Trek. First of all, um, for those that are big into reading some of the novels uh, and other forms of literature available for Star Trek, new book came out recently called the Autobi- Autobiography of James T. Kirk. And uh, Bill, I think uh, I think you got something uh, digitally in your email in regards to that not too long ago. Most emails are digital, Dan. Back Thank to you. you. No, <laughs> no, I did. You were kind enough to actually gift me a copy, and I thought that was wonderful, and I thank you very much for that. Um, My pleasure. I've only made it a couple of chapters in so far because I'm a notoriously slow reader, mm-hmm. and that's not because there's no pictures. I just want to clarify <laughs> that right now. Um, but I find it rather enjoyable. It's it's a, an interesting way to tell a story that ties all of that canon together. I yep. think, and I, I think the thing that would interest me more once I eventually finish the book is maybe to listen to the audiobook version, which is allegedly read by William Shatner. Yes, it is. Um, I'm I'm only about four chapters in. Uh, I'm enjoying it greatly. And are you like me when you're reading it in your head? Are you actually like reading it and like talking in your head as Captain Kirk? <laughs> no, <laughs> I am. I'm. Re- I find myself reading it. I'm like, and then on, then I'm. Then on, I'm just, I am doing that. It's it, Luckily, I'm not reading out loud because Susan would probably be looking at me funnier than she usually does. Do you read it as younger Kirk or old Kirk? Because there's Kirk. a bit of a difference in the cadence. I'm, I'm doing it as – when, when I'm reading it, I find myself doing it as older Kirk because it's kind of like a, a memoir of, of his memory. So, yeah. Interesting. Well, no, I, I so far I'm enjoying it greatly. I plan to read a little bit more this weekend. You know, if I can ever get a podcast episode edited – and published in time. Uh, minor detail, minor detail. But uh, no, I genuinely appreciate you having gifted me that book, sir. It's a, it's a great read so far, and I look forward to finishing it. No, it's my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this book for a while, um, so it is my pleasure to share it with you, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I am enjoying it. Thank you. All right, so moving on. Um, for those of you that are into gaming, we had our gaming episode not too long ago. Of course, we're all highly waiting for timelines to be released. Um, it's in the beta phase right now. But for those of you that are that need to get your Star Trek gaming fix on, uh, Bill actually sent me a link uh, last week to a new game that is out. And it's it's called, uh, it's I guess it's called, it's, it's an official Star Trek mobile game released by CBS, and it's called Star Trek Wrath of Gems. I've been playing it for about a week now. I'm not sure if you've played it, Bill, Uh a little bit? I have, and that might actually be why I haven't read as much of the autobiography of James T. Kirk as perhaps <laughs> I ought to have. It's because I've been playing Wrath of Gems. It's it's a lot of fun. It's bejeweled, and I think you said war. It's kind of combined. It's yeah. kind of a combined game. Yeah, remember the uh, old card game War? Yeah. It's it's yeah. It, it, it struck me very much like that. You, know, you yeah. have to combine jewels in groups of three or greater, but... You have to do it when it's your turn and every combination you make has an outcome in or against your foe, for example, yep. whether yep. it's a ship or a person or, you know, um, or whatever. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been impressed with it. The uh, uh, the graphics are really good. Um, it's got little comic book storylines as you're going through, which I, I think are kind of cool. You actually in some of the some of the scenes, you actually fight, quote unquote, fight Spock. Uh, and other members of the crew who might disagree with what you're doing. I, so far, I've been impressed with it, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to see what it uh, what it does in the future. Now, keep in mind also that you can actually play as original series crew 
or as next generation crew in this game. So it gives you uh, a choice, which I think is kind of neat also. And eventually you can play both. You have to, I think, finish one mm -hmm. um, timeline to unlock the other one. Yep. But so far, it's interesting. You get to level up your characters. You get to level up your ships. You can have an entire space dock full of ships if you want. It keeps giving me versions of the Enterprise. It's like, yes. well, I've got one that's like level seven. Why do I want another level one? Sell it. I did. 40 dilithium or 75, something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> you know, perhaps maybe having a couple isn't a bad idea because you can keep one in your inventory while a damaged Enterprise is getting repaired. You can haul out your good mm -hmm. Enterprise and go to town on some Klingons. But yep. um, no, overall, it's it's not a bad time suck. That's pretty much what all these right. games are to me. Um, yep. You know, it's a, it'll be interesting. Uh, I'd like to see them add more levels, potentially. Right. But right. we'll see. The other... The other good thing about it is that you can actually battle other people. Um, there are these little um, uh, adventures that come out every once in a while, and you actually go and we'll, we'll do a, a bejeweled-like uh, battle with someone else. Yeah, there's a, there's a new Hura side story right now that I haven't tried. Yep. But uh, maybe I will later today after I read at least a chapter in the autobiography of James T. Kirk. After you get the editing done. So you got a full day ahead of you. Wow, all, these, all this pressure. <laughs> All these goals. <laughs> yes. You are a horrible well, <laughs> executive producer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough gig, isn't it, man? I, you see me. why I gave it to you. Well, I, oh, thank you, your eminence. <laughs> <laughs> um, so moving along, um, one other thing we want to make a very brief mention of, um, and the reason why will be uh, apparent in a moment, is uh, as we record this, episode five of Star Trek Continues uh, is going to be available for everyone. Uh, as Kirk starter supporters, we actually got a sneak preview of it last night, and uh, we'll be talking about that in the future in more detail, but pretty good stuff. Yeah, next week's episode will be a complete deep dive on episode five, much like we did for the last episode, The White Iris, so you can look for that, uh, but uh, by the time we release this, episode five will be out to the public, and uh, it will be titled Divided We Stand. So very, very good. If you listen to the Chuck Huber episode of our podcast, you heard about the entire pre-credits teaser. Um, so that should tell you something about the episode. And between that and the title, you will probably figure out the setting. But the story that's told is pretty interesting. And uh, we look forward to bringing that to you next week in a spoiler-tastic uh, review of the episode. I want you to use that word at least seven times in normal conversation today. Which? Spoiler-tastic. Uh, challenge accepted. Excellent. Sir. Text me every time you do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. And finally, for, uh, for recent news and just tidbits, Star Trek tidbits, um, it's, it's amazing that as we record this today, today is September 26th, it was 14 years ago today that Enterprise premiered on television. Wow. 14 years the first time we saw Porthos. Love that dog. <laughs> he's awesome. Oh, he I so do like great. the I like the mirror universe version of Porthos too. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah. Fourteen years ago, uh, today. That really is something. And you think about Voyager, you know, the anniversary that they just had when we were in Vegas, and you're like, Yeah, okay. It's it's not as I don't know if shock is the right word, but fourteen years for Enterprise, that seems like man, wow. It wasn't that long ago and yet it was. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, um, and um, go right ahead. I say I, I, I have very mixed feelings about it because it started off okay and then got really decent and then yep. it was gone. Yep. And as we all know, we'll be talking about it at great length uh, later on in the show. But the finale um, has uh, – it's one of those you either love it or hate it type things. Well, <clears throat> it was interesting that yesterday an article came out. Uh, from John, uh, that talked about Jonathan Frakes and what he thought of that finale, and it was interesting that after 14 years, he's he's talking about how uh, he he wasn't too happy with it, which kind of surprises me um, because I would have thought that if he wasn't going to be happy about it, he might have had that feeling at the time he was doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, he's quoted. I'm going to read a quote from him in this article. Uh, it's interesting his thoughts on it. He said that uh, Rick Berman, the executive producer of all things Star Trek, called Marina and myself and said, we'd like you to do the last episode of Enterprise. 
They said it would be a Valentine to the fans, but all of it ended up doing, I think, was hurting Scott Bakula's feelings. Uh, he went on to say that he said to Scott, it's weird for me to be on your show and your show is being taken off before it should be taken off. And he was such a gentleman about it and said, no, glad you're here. I loved oh, that's an end quote. I loved how he said it's being taken off before it should be taken off, because I think everybody agrees that by the fourth season it had hit its stride and it it, it was too bad that it went off when it did. Well, I think the other takeaway from that is that. You know, Scott Bakula is ever so much the gentleman that everybody alleges him to be. I mean, when you think of people in Hollywood, yeah, there's some people who are, are are probably jerks and some people who are probably just really superficial. But Bakula has always kind of struck me as that guy who is neither of those things. Mm-hmm. And he he clearly took the high road and, you know, it just it tells you a lot about Scott Bakula. You know, he's top yep. of the call sheet, it's his show. And he could have pitched a real fit and been justified in doing so. Yep. And yet instead, you know, was a gentleman. Yep. That, that just that is Scott Bakula. You might be able to learn from him, Bill. I doubt that, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, why don't we springboard off of that in, into our discussion on the finales for Star Trek? You remember last week we did the pilots? And we talked about um, which ones were best or worst from a particular perspective. And why don't we consider that topic with the end episodes now? Um, so up first probably is which one is the ba- uh, best? Which one's the best? best? Which the one's best. the best last episode of their respective series, do you think? I'd have to say it's a tie. For, well, I don't know if ties are. It's been, one, it's been something that I've been going back and forth with. I'd have to say, and everybody's going to be like, oh, of course he's going to say Deep Space Nine. I got to say Deep Space Nine. They wrapped it up really well. They had a, they tied up a lot of loose ends. Um, I will go with what you leave behind. I expected that would be your answer, just as mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody in our audience did. Yes. Um, I'm glad I to will know say, you're at least consistent. Yes, but I will say I was – it was it – was, it was tough to choose. I was I was really leaning towards another one, but decided to go with that. You were probably leaning toward all good things, which is what I have selected as my best last episode of the series. Indeed, I was. Um, I would have selected what you leave behind if Cisco hadn't become a wormhole alien. Because I just okay in all of the Star Trek series. All of the crews essentially continue on in their respective voyages, mm-hmm. presumably. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll talk about Voyager in a bit, but that crew is still together. At the end of DS9, granted, it was very much unlike any other Star Trek series before or probably since. The crew is very fractured, and they're all going their own separate ways, and Cisco essentially is gone. Mm-hmm. He's not dead per se. Because he's taken a non-corporeal form, but he's dead. You know what I mean? Okay. Yes, yes. Counterpoint, if I may. Sure. That's one of the things that I like best about it. As with Deep Space Nine, Deep Space Nine has always been the Star Trek that was Star Trek, but was different than everything else. I liked how they did that breakup of the crew to go on to new parts of their life after Deep Space Nine was ending. I thought that was a good way to end the show that Deep Space Nine was off the air, so the crew was off and starting doing new things in their life. I'm not saying it, it wasn't. I'm just saying that for me, I wanted a different ending for the Cisco because of everything the Cisco did before that. You know, he wore his love for his family on, on his sleeve, whether it was Jake or Cassidy or the baby on the way that we find out in the finale. Mm-hmm. Um, you know... Uh, you wanted him because that relationship meant so much more to him than anything else. You wanted that to, I wanted that to sort of continue on and, and be the focus of the Cisco from there on in. And all of a sudden his family is left without him. And that, you know, to me it left a void in the storytelling in mm-hmm. addition to the void it left in that, that family nucleus of sorts. Right. By, by contrast, I thought there was remarkable growth in all good things. Because at the end, the end scene, I think, is the best scene in the whole finale. You know, granted, we know they're doing a movie right after they wrap that finale in the real world. Yep. Yep. You know, but Picard sits down at the poker table, 
you know, and admits that, you know, I, I should have done this years ago. And Troy's line right after that is just so salient. It's like, you know, you were, you were always welcome. Yep. You know, we never turned you away. You were always part of this group, whether you were here or not. And it kind of brought the whole series together because at the beginning, nobody would have dared gotten that close to Picard. Right. Nobody. I, I, yeah, I agree with that. I do agree with that. So, yeah, for me, it's it's all good things because I think that it, it's it's a story that, that brings it all together and yet wraps it all up. I mean, it started with Q and, and the, the post-atomic court of horrors. It ends with Q and the post-atomic court of horrors. The time traveling, I I could have dealt, you know, I, I could have done a little less with. Um, mm-hmm. but, you mean like the, the jumping that he was doing? Yeah, because I thought that it convoluted the story a bit, but for me, the ending yeah. was what made the finale. I will I'll agree with that last scene being great. One of the things that I that you just pointed out is you can you can get so confused and wrap your head around so many different things whenever we're dealing with any time story in any of the series. And that's why I think I did not choose all good things as the final one because if I sit there and try to wrap my head around what's going on in each timeline that is affecting a different time. It get. I'm just getting confused talking about it. And, right. And if you focus on that too much, it takes away from the story. And I think that's why it comes in a very close second to me over what you leave behind. Right. And for me, as we we progress on to the next point of examination, you know, I, I think it's different than the answer for the best finale for you know a Trek series in general. Whereas mm-hmm. I think All Good Things was the best one, the best finale for its series. I don't necessarily think it was the best finale for a Trek series overall. And okay. for me, this is going to kill you on some level, but I'm going to say <laughs> it's it's either what you leave behind or it's the Enterprise finale. Because the Enterprise finale, as finales go, is not terrible. I don't know how to answer that. I know. It's because if 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 I want to look, I can't give that as the best one for the for any Star Trek series. Um, I would I would stick with with what you leave behind as the best finale. I thought it was, and as for the very reason that you brought it up, I think that could be considered one of the most emotional finales, simply because everybody's leaving. And that final shot of Jake and Kira is my favorite all-time image of a finale. Right. It's ver- it's a very emotional finale. I didn't have any emotion in the Enterprise finale at all, except for the final scene when they were showing all the different ships from the series. That's I, the only part of it that I really enjoyed whatever in terms mis- of emotion. Whatever mistakes Rick Berman made in crafting that finale, because he wrote it, you know, he decided he was going to write it, and he, you know alleges that it's a love letter and I don't think it's a love letter but I do think it tells an interesting story. I could have you know it could have done without the Riker Troy part but let's let's just assume it has to be there for a minute. It's it's a compelling examination of those events in a historical view. And you know granted Trip's death was wasted in that finale. Mm-hmm. But overall, yep. it tells an interesting story about, you know, the end of the journey of the NX-01 to some degree and the formation of the Federation. I think that it, it provides a great springboard. I mean, you could have fit years of storytelling into the gap between, you know, where the Federation started and where, theoretically, Enterprise ended. Mm-hmm. There's still lots of stories that could have been told in that time. But I think it tells a fairly decent story, and I think it's crafted or it's produced well. I, I don't think it's a terrible episode, although I do think there were some terrible choices. It's not it's not as it's not as bad as Turnabout Intruder at all. Oh no. No. It's not that, as that bad as down as yeah. It's not as bad. bad as Endgame. Yeah. At all. So no. I, I, well, I, I default... and, and that's and that's something um that I was gonna get into is it's unfortunate that TOS didn't have a quote-unquote finale. That was just the last episode that they did. It wasn't a finale, um, well, back but it was then, bad. Back then, though, they didn't really do finales for series. That, that was going to be my next point, is that they didn't really do it. But as a last episode, that's not that's not really what you want to keep in your memory, is the last episode of a show that you enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Captain Kirk! Um, 
<laughs> what you know, I heard this quote once and I can't remember who said it. It might have been Vince Gilligan when talking about Breaking Bad, but or, or uh, I forget who it was. But anyway, it, it's it's something along the lines of nobody creates a television series with the vaguest idea of how to end it. You know, yeah. nobody considers the finale when you're starting a TV show and they're right. You know, these finales sort of are products of the journey of the series along the way. And I think that when I consider what you leave behind and when I consider the Enterprise finale, they're both decent ending points for both of those series. You know, you would mm-hmm. have hoped that the end of Enterprise would have led to the formation of the Federation. And I think yep. it, it did. It could have done it without Riker and Troy. But ultimately, I, I think that it was an interesting enough story to get there. And that's why okay. I think it's not as bad as, as everybody says. I think it gets a bad rap because of the poor choices of Berman, primarily. Yes. I think that one of the reasons why I, I don't like it is a majority of the people were pissed about the whole Riker aspect of it. Um, I didn't, I thought that was a, at the time, I thought that was an insult to the cast of Enterprise. Um, and I after, think, now we say 14 years, I may yeah. think a little bit differently about that, but it's still something that, you know, bothers me a little bit. But I think that's the sole determining factor that a lot of people use in saying why they don't like it. It's not it's about, exactly like, it's not about the story itself. Yep. It's exactly what we talked about a couple episodes ago is, People's disdain for George Lucas because he changed that one scene where a hand shot first. Well, in addition to a lot of others, but yes. But that's the main crux of it. Well, it's whenever you, you talk about why people hate Lucas, it's because of that. Most that's the first one that people talk about. Well, it's because he fundamentally changed the movie that he created before. He changed the character yep. of Han Solo because Han yep. Solo is a scoundrel, yep. and in the the remastered version, he wasn't a scoundrel. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> Berman didn't fundamentally change any of the characters in These Are the Voyages, but he did, you know, insert a, an updated timeline and essentially a, a holodeck episode. He, he inserted yeah. a TNG holodeck episode in the middle of the Enterprise finale. And yep. that was a poor decision. But overall, yep. as, for, as far as story arc and characters, it's not a bad story. One of the things that I did like about it is the Pegasus was one of my favorite episodes. Mine too. And so having having that be the crux of the entire finale of Enterprise of, of what Riker wanted to do in regards to that episode, I thought that was pretty cool. If I wanted to say anything positive about the Riker aspect of it, it would be that. I agree with that entirely. So yeah. Dan, let's look at which finale might be the worst last episode of their respective series. Which one in your mind, is, you know, if you were stacking up all the finales to watch, which one would be the one you dread to watch the most? Well, it's going to be either Turnabout or Intruder or um, Endgame. And I'd have to probably, like we just we were just talking about, a Turnabout Intruder. Yeah. I, it's, just, it's just not what I would want to keep in my mind as a finale of a show, even though, like you said a minute ago, they didn't have finalities, finales back then. It was just not a great way to end the original series. On top of it not being a great finale, it's not a great episode of Star Trek. No, it isn't. And we've talked about this aspect of it for, for a while with Axanar now uh, in, in the works is all this talk about no female captains, but there were female captains. So now do we have to take that, what she was saying, what Janice Lester was saying is just because she was unstable or it just opens up a whole can of worms. And of course we know why back then that was the, that was what was in the dialogue, but it just is, it just was not great. I think it's the way she says it in the episode. You know, it's, it's, you don't let female captains in your world. So it's an indictment Mm -hmm. of male captains and a male dominated Starfleet. So I have to accept that there are no female captains at that point in Starfleet's history, which, you know, considering how people describe Star Trek as progressive, it is probably the most anti-progressive thing about Star Trek. Exactly. You know, on top of the, the sexism that is rampant, that just adds to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. But yep, I agree. I, I have to agree with you. It's it's probably the the worst last episode of a respective series, but I don't think it's the worst finale overall for a Trek series in general. <laughs> and for me, 
Um, that has to and be me. what's that? And me. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be Voyager's Endgame. And this is going to springboard into a larger discussion, but why don't we, we probably should start that now. I watched it again the other day in preparation for this. And I, well, first I should say I watched it live when it happened. And when I had watched it, I still had not seen all of Voyager because mm-hmm. largely seasons five and six, there was a lot of it I missed partly because it was not very interesting, partly because of work, you know, any one of a number of different reasons, but I was not caught up in the series, but still, I wanted to see how it ended and, and what happened to the crew. So I watched it, and when it was done, I was like, that was it? That, <laughs> that's how they end it? Yeah. What? Yeah. So, and I, so when watching it again just the other day, I paid more attention to the stories told, and there's just a lot of things about Endgame that make absolutely no sense. You know, we talk about whether something is a good story, with regard to say these are the voyages or all or um, what you leave behind, or even all good things, and they're all decent stories at least at, you know at, the, at their core. Endgame is not a great story no. by any means. It, we've had this discussion or we've made these comments several times over the course of our thirty now thirty two episodes. The problem that I've always had with Voyager, and I'll say it again. They might have a good story for the first 32, 35 minutes of an episode. And then it's like the writers are like, oh, my God, we only have eight minutes left to finish this episode. Let's write something stupid to finish it. And that's what they did with Endgame. They took a seven-season series and wrote garbage for the, fin- for the finale, which at the time we all thought was going to be the last Star Trek episode. Right. It was just – and I'll never – I'll never – get over the trans warp hub that just oh god i that that could open up a a conversation that we can do an entire podcast on i have a problem with you know older janeway coming back in time using klingon technology all right let's stop right there so the klingons (laughs) have mastered time travel does anybody else realize that this is just a problem (laughs) hey at least we get to see von armstrong one more time that's true that's yeah. very true because Von Von Armstrong is always a welcome sight in Star Trek yes. because he's so amazing. Yep. But yep. I have a problem with Janeway's taking that action because Janeway as a character would not do that. I don't care how much she loves that ship and crew. You know, she she stranded them in the Delta Quadrant making the right decision. She would not then come back in time and alter history just to get mm-hmm. them home faster. That is out of character for Catherine Janeway. If that's the case, why didn't she just go back in time to before they got stranded in the first place? Right. So, right. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's and it's, you know, she's, you know, the epitome of a Starfleet officer. I mean, for God's sake, she got promoted to admiral right after that. So why would she be violating the temporal prime directive in the first place? There is no temporal prime directive. Sure there is. Not at that point. No, there's not. They encounter Deep a Space future- Nine. Deep Space Nine episode. Yeah. Uh, oh, come on now. There is, come on, but, there is no temporal prime directive. But no, keep this in mind. If there was, if they did talk about that in the Deep Space Nine episode, and old Admiral Janeway goes back in time, it definitely was in existence at that point. I'm not, in the future? I'm not saying it's not in existence. I'm saying it's a bunch of BS. <laughs> Oh, it's a rule that's there, but I don't like it, so it's just BS. Okay, never mind. We'll move along. It's not even a rule. <laughs> it's referenced It's referenced in one episode, and with all the other time travel that happens in Star Trek, never once mentioned again. Well, that's why they made it. <laughs> well, they made it for a comedic episode. <laughs> they made it to insert two characters from Starfleet who were like the cops in Dragnet. <laughs> Okay. Named named after? Come on. Little trivia question here, Bill. We're not doing Geek the Stump today, but that's a good trivia question. We're not doing Geek the Stump at all. No, I know. Their their names were the backward spelling of uh Mulder and Scully. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, great. Uh we'll consider that on the X Files podcast when we take that up after <laughs> the Disney podcast. Thank you. So it goes Star Trek and then Disney and then X-Files. It's going so, downhill from there. I we? know. We could have at least inserted 24 before that or something. 
Are we going to do Thundercats at any point? I've never watched Thundercats. Neither have I. No. That's why I brought it up. Uh, <laughs> Battle of the Planets? Seven Zark <laughs> Seven, maybe? Space 1999. Yep, we digress. A little bit, a little bit. Back to Endgame. So, yeah, but she still wouldn't do it. Period. For, whether there's a temporal prime directive or not is, is irrelevant at this point. Janeway is a character given everything that she put that crew through still would not have done that. I don't believe. No, I have to agree. And that's a fundamental flaw in the episode to me. And then you consider everything else. When oh, yeah. the hell did Chakotay list. and seven start dating? <laughs> well, in that episode <laughs> it's yeah, but they treat it like it's been ongoing. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is our I'm second gonna beam, or I'm Go going to beam into your quarters so we can have a picnic, Bill. Because there's no transporter log at all. <laughs> yeah. No. There's ah. never a transporter officer on duty 24-7. <laughs> yeah. So uh, beam me to these coordinates, transport officer. Um, <laughs> well, seven, those coordinates are deep inside Commander Chakotay's quarters. I know where they are, mister. <laughs> Comply. <laughs> Comply. <laughs> one of one of the little things that I have a problem with is in all the time uh, from the movie from first contact going forward, when the Borg hits you with their probes, hmm. then with their pro you're you're pretty much assimilated pretty damn quick. Right. Why did it take Admiral Janeway like seven days to start assimilating after she got <laughs> in the Borg Queen? <clears throat> That was annoying because, you know, they were just doing that so that they could make it a dramatic ending. But it was like, no, that's completely not right. So here's the other thing. So when Janeway first encounters the Borg Queen, it is that sort of holographic transmission. How did the Borg not know that? That there's not really somebody aboard the ship? Yeah. Hello? Hi. (laughs) I just... Flawed. Flawed. uh, 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 It's just... It's not it's not great storytelling. No. You know, and then yes, the Transwarp hub. Oh god. Uh, <laughs> let's build steel beams surrounding these Transwarp hubs so we can knock them out with photon torpedoes and close it up. Fo- photon torpedoes they ought not have because they should have exhausted the supply <laughs> three and a half seasons ago. <laughs> because they only had a limited number yet they used like two and a half times the number they were alleged to have had. Yeah. According to the count. Yeah. I'm going to put you that. You did that once. What's that? Didn't you do that once? What? Or somebody did. Somebody has a video of the number of times they 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 fire torpedoes. Yeah. I was just going to say that uh, that video is on YouTube. We'll put it in the post for this show on trekgeeks.com in the notes so that you can see how many torpedoes Voyager actually used. <laughs> it's almost equal to the number of shuttlecrafts. yeah it's uh it's not it's not great the other the other thing that i have a unbelievable huge problem with is the borg are supposedly smart as the collective right they 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 take everybody's technology and blah 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 why then with these transwarp hubs because they're they've been there supposedly do they only send one cube to Earth every single time they're going to go after the Federation? Why not send 500 cubes through the hub to show up right at Earth's orbit? That would take about 10 seconds to completely obliterate the planet, and we would not even be talking about it. Why aren't all four quadrants already assimilated if they have this gigantic device with which they can yeah. drop a cube anywhere in space? Yep. Why? 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 Z. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's other than the transwarp hub girders, as I'm going to call them from now on. Yeah. Um, that's my biggest problem with with Endgame because, or with Voyager, I should say, because they took the most feared enemy in science fiction history to that point, I would think, and completely wussified it and made them irrelevant, as they would like to say. If it were so simple to take the Borg out by spreading some sort of, you know, pathogenic virus, you know, from, uh, by, by getting one person assimilated, wouldn't you look for a volunteer? Said, look, <laughs> we want to end the Borg, which by the way, not very Star Trek of them, mm-hmm. but we want to destroy the Borg entirely. 
We want to wipe them out as a race. Um, do we have any volunteers to be assimilated? Anyone? Let me let me let me interrupt you there because you have not seen all the episodes of Voyager. I believe, and I, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, there was an episode where they were going to do that, and they had it ready to go, and it was going to happen. But then it became an immoral situation, and they decided to back off from doing it. Well, but they do that in TNG, too. Yeah, that's true. Yep. You know, they have a chance. Why? Right. Yeah. Was it, well, it was Iborg, you know, yep. the first appearance of Hugh. And Picard, you know, says later on in the series, I had my chance. He was right there, and I didn't do it. You know, ultimately, as far, you know, from a Star Trek perspective, you know, Picard made the call I would have expected in Iborg. Right. But still, the entire notion to wipe out a race, whether they're malevolent or not, is not very Star Trek at its core. Exactly. It's, it's, it's more renegades. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Wow. I couldn't help it. <laughs> wow. Dan with renegade hatred. <laughs> not hatred. I am I am looking forward to better things with Renegades. I didn't know you could dance that well. That's amazing. <laughs> Shall we tango? It was more like tap dancing, but okay. <laughs> My last beef with Voyager goes back to what you, you your criticism of Voyager all along. We've got a decent or a relatively decent story that has gone on far too long. And then we end it in the last 30 seconds with a miraculous saving the day type ending. Oh, a bunch of stuff happened and everything's okay now and we're back on our way. Yeah. You know, it was anticlimactic because of the way that it was written. So let me pose this question to you, sort of, you know, impromptu and, and surprisingly of sorts. How would you have ended Voyager in the last half hour? What do you think would have happened as far as plot points? What would you have liked to have seen happen to those characters? Do we want? Do you want me to change the story in terms of if they wouldn't have done this? This Whatever wouldn't have happened want. in the story if I wrote it. Whatever you want. How would you have done it? There would, there would be no transwarp hub. Period. Okay. Not going to happen. That would not be in existence because it's just too easy to end the series because of those and as way too many questions of why they haven't been used in the past. I would have had no problem with them knowing that they still had several years to get home. Um, but I don't, I don't, I really haven't put a lot of thought in that to tell you the truth, Bill, of, of how I would have liked to have seen it end other than how it did. Yeah, you want them to get home, and yeah, you would have expected them to get home. But then again, you wouldn't have expected Cisco to quote unquote die in the finale of What You Leave Behind. So anything can happen. So why not let them continue on their journey? And it's just at this point, we don't see what happens. And maybe there's a Voyager continues down the road, starring Vic McNagna. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's approach that question a little differently. Let's assume that there's an extra half hour to the episode, the events that we saw on screen, and Voyager gets home. What do you think should have happened with those characters after they got home? I think it would have been interesting. Well, Seven wouldn't have uh, Seven wouldn't have been there. Well, yeah, no, she would have been because she's dead in the she's dead in the future. I'm sorry, I got a little confused, but, yeah, but see the timeline confusion. Well, but happens. she gets back to Earth. Yes, yes. Um, I think it would have been interesting to see her debrief. Um, how would Starfleet? or Section 31, possibly, have dealt with her being back at Earth after having been assimilated by the Borg for so many years. That would be one thing that I'd be very interested in seeing. Janeway would certainly not be promoted to Admiral as fast as she was. Um, maybe she would need to earn that a little bit before just getting the promotion. Right. I don't know of any reason why her actions or inactions over the course of being stranded would have deemed it necessary to give her a promotion. To me, she got a promotion just because she got them home. That's not a reason to give somebody in Starfleet a promotion to Admiral. Picard and the crew of the Enterprise saved humanity on more than one occasion. Yeah. And he's still a starship captain, maybe possibly by choice. But at some point when you get promoted to Admiral, there's no more choice involved. Yep. You don't just get to say, nah, I'd really just rather command the Enterprise. 
Yep. You don't really get that option if you're going to get promoted to the Admiralty. You know, right. if, so you would have thought that Picard might have gotten promoted before Janeway. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't get why she was promoted to Admiral. As far as, no. you know, if I consider the same question, I would have liked to have seen Harry get a promotion. You know, possibly to full lieutenant based on his experiences mm-hmm. in the Delta Quadrant. I would have liked to have seen Tom go back to jail. I would have liked to have seen that that potential conflict, you know, yep. because he was there as an observer. You know, Janeway broke him out, essentially, to help them find the Maquis. But Actually, if I may, hmm. I agree with you. But based on what they did with Janeway, uh, he, I'm surprised he didn't get promoted to captain. <laughs> okay, well let me let me finish with you know with my my thought train before it derails. Yes. But I also would have loved to have seen that you know that drama and that stress between him and Bolana. Because yes. now they have a child. Yep. You know, and Bolana's never been particularly good at being either human or Klingon. She struggles mm-hmm. with her Klingon half, and I can imagine that being a very stressful thing for her. And I could have provided some really decent scenes between Bolana and Paris. But I actually actually think for whatever, you know, there should have been this story element where Tom potentially has to go back to the the, the penal Penal colony. I thought that Chakotay should have to answer for some of his actions as the Maquis, but ultimately be absolved since the Maquis no longer exists. I thought that, you know, Tuvok probably should have departed for Vulcan at some point to see his family. Yep. Uh, Who am I forgetting? Uh, Seven... I thought that Seven probably should have been, you know, debriefed by Starfleet, but eventually put on a Starfleet uniform. Yep. Yeah, and we I, never saw her in one, did we? No, we didn't. And I oh. thought that Janeway should have had to face a court martial, not because she did anything wrong per se, but well, maybe not a court martial, because usually when you lose your ship, you know, when your ship is destroyed, there's an automatic court martial process in Starfleet. But Janeway should have had to face some disciplinary action, either for letting older Janeway help her and violating the timeline, or... Shut up. (laughs) Stop interrupting. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, for any of the decisions she could have made in the Delta Quadrant that were a violation of the Prime Directive. Let me ask you this. Do you think she could have faced a court-martial for destroying the caretaker? Possibly. Mm, that's what I would, I would, I would say. That's where I would say okay for a court martial. Um, but part of me wants to say no because she the preserved right the Ocampa. Yeah, you know yeah. she she did insert herself in the in the natural course of this process. Yeah, you know maybe the Kazon were supposed to take over the caretaker. I don't know, but ultimately, you know she did the right thing as far as the Ocampans were concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of what it meant for her crew. You know, maybe court martial is probably the wrong word. I withdraw that. There should have been some kind of hearing. Yeah. Um, and eventually Janeway probably would have received some sort of commendation and ultimately mm-hmm. been sent back to Captain the Voyager. Let me ask you this. Do you think that there should no this is this is a tough one because of what we've been talking about. Do you think that for all intents and purposes, the Borg looked destroyed? Yeah. In the finale. Yeah. Should she have faced any disciplinary for genocide? Oh, wow. Mm. Um, possibly. Yeah. But I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about. She's got the out with, you know, older Janeway essentially doing that for her. But doesn't older Janeway not even exist anymore because to change the timeline? Ah, see, this is. Isn't it awful? Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather talk about the timeline situation and Back to the Future because it's not as convoluted. <laughs> <laughs> Another podcast. Look at that. Oh, I'm full of man. ideas today, man. You and I are going to be, you know, doing this forever <laughs> till we're like 130. Because <laughs> we got to get through all the X Files and oh my god. <laughs> I think that there was. The... That's really tough to say because I think at some point Starfleet would have said. Well, obviously, Captain Janeway, this was not your fault entirely because Admiral Janeway did this, and Admiral Janeway doesn't yet exist. And that notion, or that action can never happen again because of what Admiral Janeway did in fundamentally changing the timeline. Yep. Because 
Admiral Janeway's dead. Admiral Janeway never existed. No, but I mean, you know, that <laughs> yeah, notion know of it. She, she died, yeah. You know, yeah. She she died in, in commissioning this, so it's not like she could make it back to the future. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I could go on and on for hours. I mean, this is just off the top of my head, but, you know, and I'm sure some of those ideas really don't even fit, and they'll bring some listener feedback. Um, but I just, I think there's so much wrong with Endgame that it, it's hard to watch. I had a hard time watching it the other day, to be honest, because I'd have to stop at a point and essentially say, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> really? Really? Yeah, wh- why does... Uh, uh, yeah, it's frustrating. I would say, you know what's interesting is we're talking about the things that are wrong with it. That may be one of the things that, in the mind of the executives at CBS, make it a great episode because we're spending time talking about it, whether it's positive or negative. Yeah, but the people at CBS don't care. <laughs> That's true. And I should say the decision-making people on whether or not there's a Star Trek series, again, <laughs> probably don't care. There are probably a good many people at CBS who do care, yeah, but just not about this. you got to wonder if people like Rick Berman or the cast have issues with how it turned out. I mean, he wrote it, so... Does he have a problem with people not liking it or does he understand and or does he like the fact that people talk about whether it's good or bad? I don't know. I, I think that ultimately, you know, like any writer, you know, some of the material is going to resonate with some people and some of it won't. Yep. They're going to be, you know, it's like John Champion said to us for, you know, everybody's favorite episode of Star Trek. That's also somebody's least favorite episode yep. of Star Trek. I think it's that kind of situation. Yeah. Um, it is by far, you know, if I stack ranked all the finales. Endgame is always going to be at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And it'll be just below Turnabout Intruder. Right. Uh, so I, uh, One of these days I'll have to get my, my uh, family to uh, weigh in on what they think because all three girls in my household, Voyager is their favorite series. Well, you know, <laughs> I there's, can't even say that with a straight face. Well, but you know, we were raised differently. I mean, when you and I were kids... The original Star Trek was on in reruns every single day at the dinner hour. Yep. You know, it was our Star Trek. To some degree, it still is. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an entire generation of people for whom Voyager was their first Trek. And right. they have that connection to the material and those characters. You know, to us, they may seem not as fully developed as other Star Trek characters. But that's not so for an entire group of, of humans. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of characters, and that's that's one other thing. We had a core group of characters in in TOS, yeah. and in effect, TNG. Don't, I think that with Voyager and, and Enterprise to a point, there were too many characters. Do you agree with that? I don't know, um, and I think that's that's probably because if you think about it, there really weren't that many more characters than there were in Next Generation. Yeah, that's true. It seemed like it seemed like there was though. It seemed like people never had um they'd never had enough ep- episodes to have specifically on one character too often. I think it was just the nature of how the show was written, quite honestly. You know, every now and then you would get a character-driven episode and some of the character-driven episodes that exist are really good. Mm-hmm. You know, the one where Tuvok is stranded on the planet with the kids. And you yep. find out the kids aren't really kids at all. Yep. That's a phenomenal episode that is very Star Trek. Yeah. You know, yeah. Tim Russ does a great job in that episode. The story that is told is is wonderful. But it fo- focuses primarily on Tuvok and his experience. Yep. You know, some of the other episodes, you know, that are not necessarily single character driven stories just are not nearly as good. Yep. Yep, I have to agree with that. Yep, Tuvix is one that always has stood out in my mind as a great character episode. Oh, see, I disagree. I don't like Tuvix at all. I think it's terrible. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was great. It was a good, um, I thought it was great that they had a real difficult choice that they had to make and, and the ramifications of that. I did enjoy that episode a lot. See, I thought the 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 hand-wringing over the choice was a little overdone because there was only one choice. And you that know, was to we, split them up. We went on for 40 minutes with regard to what the choice was going to be. And eventually Janeway did what Janeway was going to do anyway. 
Yep. Janeway was going to was going to split them up. So yep. why did I need the preceding 40 minutes? Drama. But it wasn't even good drama. <laughs> and then they introduced a character that quite honestly could have been considered more compelling than either of the two characters it was taken from. <laughs> That's the only argument that could be made. Yeah. At least yep. for me. I don't think I I don't think uh that would have sat well with either actor if they got rid of both of them and had that one guy then for the rest of the show. I know, right? <laughs> Sorry, guys, you're done. We're bringing in this guy. <laughs> At some point, we'll have to we'll have to go on about some really great things about Voyager, and perhaps we'll do that in a future episode. Before we before we switch off the finales, Bill, and I'm sorry to interrupt. It's something that I wanted to say earlier and forgot to, and just thought about it, and it's about what you leave behind. Are you really sorry? I am really sorry because no, I, I actually wrote down to say something and, and and I just didn't get to say it. You're not sorry. I am sorry because it's my favorite finale. I wanted to make sure I got it in and I do apologize. Now that I'm done, can you be quiet and listen to me for a second? <laughs> well, I will say that one of the problems that I had with Deep Space Nine's finale, what you leave behind, was how Gul Dukat died and how Cisco didn't, quote unquote, die because he just became a wormhole alien for someone for a character that was as vicious and villainous as Guldicott was I thought his death was a just nothing I didn't think it was anything he fell off a cliff into a fire pit oh boy I was expecting something so much more for him and it was it was that was if I had a disappointment about what you leave behind that was definitely at the top of my list you assume he died we don't know because at that point, Dukat was inhabited by the Paw Wraith, and the Paw Wraith come from the fire caves. Corporeally, Dukat is dead, just as corporeally Benjamin Sisko is dead. Mm-hmm. You just know that Benjamin Sisko now exists as a non-corporeal alien. You don't know that Dukat doesn't exist as a Paw Wraith. That is a very good take on that. Because they didn't bother to tell that part of the story. Yeah. I I have always assumed that he did because you saw him flame out, so to speak, or flame up. Maybe it's a better <laughs> way to put it. <laughs> a fantastic, fantastic four reference. Um, interestingly enough, even though it's not canon, in the books after the series ends, Cisco is back. Gul Dukat is not yet. But that's a very good twist on it. I do like that thinking that you have there. Well, and and then it makes you wonder, you know, when you consider all of the religious overtones that Deep Space Nine has, did Cisco die and go to heaven? Yeah. Yep. That's a, you know, that's a topic for another time and probably a, a many rounds of drinks at a bar somewhere. But, you know, I, I'm not inclined to think he did because, you know, we know the aliens in the wormhole to be aliens. Yeah. But from any other perspective... You know, drawing the allegory, is that what happened? I don't know. Right. So now that I forget what I was totally going to say before, why don't we bring this to a close, Dan? <laughs> it worked. It worked again. Excellent. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> well, as always, we do want to let you know that there are several ways to get in touch with either Bill or myself. Uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and Skype, our handle is Trek Geeks, or you can send us an email at trekgeeks at starfleet.com. Also, if you want to leave us a voicemail, which several people have done, you can call us at 508-784-1701. Back to Twitter, if you want to send us an individual tweet. Is that the right wording? I don't know. Anyway, Bill's uh, handle is at TrekGeekBill, and mine is at DCDDS9. Please remember that any comments or messages you leave us uh, may be used in a future episode. Um, also, if you want to leave any comments at our new Facebook page, Camp Kittimer, please feel free to do so. Uh, join in, be part of the conversation, uh, start up some new topics. We'd love to hear from you over there. It's facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer. Bill? <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Okay. And of course, we want to thank our friends in Five Year Mission who allow us to use all of their fantastic music for the show. Um, please, please go buy a copy of Spock's Brain online at fiveyearmission.net. Let's show those guys some love and support. And while you're at it, send a tweet or an email to Creation to bring them back as the, the house band at the 50th anniversary convention in Las Vegas next summer. 
because we've got to make that happen, guys. We just got to. So those are your tasks. Go buy Spock's Brain and go promote Five Year Mission for the house band. So. Fark me. <laughs> Fark will be impressed if you do that, yes. especially if he's listening. So, uh, but uh, well, next week, Dan, as we mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, we're going to consider the fifth episode of Star Trek Continues. Yes. Titled "Divided We Stand," it will be a spoiler tastic. There's number one. That's, that's number one. Actually, two because I used it once earlier. Yeah, but not that. But then, okay. <laughs> A spoiler-tastic review of that episode. And we hope you'll join us for that. Uh, But for now, we hope you all live long and prosper. (laughs) What's a blokanut? (laughs) (laughs) And how do you spell it? Need my coffee. <laughs> what you got there for a mug? Uh, it's just a, a generic Starbucks mug. Oh, okay. Flavor? Boston cream donut. Cream pie. No, Boston cream donut. Yes. I've got uh, just a Folgers hazelnut, but it's very yummy. <sighs> Your face is yummy. No. No, um, I'm looking at the notes for the episode. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand why you put that Enterprise note in there or Jonathan Frakes. Just as a segment for recent news, today was twenty. It was 14 years ago today that we're recording that Enterprise premiered, and it's kind of interesting that yesterday some comments came out about Frakes criticizing the finale. And that'll bring us into the finales. Where was this? I have not heard about this. Oh, let me send you a link. He did not like the idea. Let me read this to you. I'll send it to you. But it says, according to High Def Digest, Frakes said that Rick Berman called Marina and myself and said, we'd like you to do the last episode of Enterprise. They said it would be a Valentine to the fans, but it all ended up doing, but all it ended up doing, I think, was hurting Scott Bakula's feelings. Frank's went on to say, I said to Scott, this is weird for me to be on your show, and your show is being taken off before it should be taken off. And he was such a gentleman about it. Did you just call him Frank's? Frank's. You said Frank's. Did I say Frank's? Yeah. Sorry. What kind of fan are you? Sorry. I'm reading things from the statement run at the same time. Mouth breather. Uh, Let me send it to you. Stand by, stand by, stand. I'm going to put it in your slacky slacky. My what? Slacky slacky. I don't know what that is. Uh, I'm sorry, Skype. I'm see, I'm doing work stuff too. Slacky, slacky. Ay, 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 ay. Why can't I even see that? Why can't I send you anything? Where's the window? Why can't I see your face? You always can see my face. Uh, tell me my if I see it in my face. nightmares. Wow. Okay. I don't know. Where you, I don't know where you are. Okay. There we go. This is riveting. Sorry. Whoops, no, that's bad. Bad, bad, bad. Bad. Oh, no, it was good. Control C. No, control V. Boom. There you go. Oh, Let me do something real quick. I'm sorry. Let me one of those mornings. Oh, ow. Was that bright? You can't really do that in the mic. That's just far away. Wow, okay. Okay. All right, you ready? I am. This is 32, right? Indeed. Uh...
Yeah, 32, because yes, last week was 30, 32. 32. I can't miss. I don't miss anything. All right, here we go. Sip of coffee. Abby's in the room, S- by the way. Hi, Abby. I see your head, I think. She can't hear you. That's true. Well, she might be able to. Those headphones, you know, she's a dog. I don't think you see her head. All right. It might not be. Oh, you know what? No, it's not. It's something else. Hmm. There's a little popper. She said hi to me. She was so cute when I saw her. I love her. Uh, Abby. (laughs) (laughs) She's a little pop. I just wonder what people think when I go down the street because if we ever walking down the street, whether I'm by myself walking to work or whether Sue and I are walking around the neighborhood, if there's a dog, I don't even say hi to the person. I'm just like, hey, pop. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be more concerned that you're walking around going because you've done that as long as I've known you. (laughs) (laughs) I've never understood that, too, by the way. Where'd that come from? I don't know. I don't know. Just a sound. I, I make wish, sound sometimes. I wish we could find a way to spell that out to put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Proud blah, 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 of a Trek geek. <laughs> One side would say coconut. The other side would say blah, 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 blah. If anybody, end with today. If anybody listens to this part of the outtake and you figure out how to spell blah, 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 blah please let us know. <laughs> Whoops, I better mute that. Hey, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, all right. We're good. All right. Ready to go.